This episode is sponsored by Henderson's Hearth. You know, it's clear that Amy over at Henderson's Hearth puts so much heart into the ingredients in her creations. They're healthy, easy to prepare, things like soups, bread mixes, jams, and just like Sam Hewn, steeped in Celtic tradition. The ingredients are either grown by her or acquired locally and prepared in small batches. One of the products that caught my eye early on was the orange ginger marmalade. It reminded me so much of growing up with the Paddington Bear series that I knew I had to order it. If you've ever wanted to know the secret to talking bears, their orange marmalade is exactly what I imagine is worth keeping an emergency sandwich under your hat for. And while I don't have a hat that could hold a marmalade sandwich, I can put some on a delicious slice of their Irish brown bread. And what do you know? With their bread mix, I made it myself. And that pairing is just so hearthy. Oh, that was punny. <laughs> no, that was good for the soul. Just like their soup mixes. Oh, no, you did it again. <laughs> Actually, though, I can totally vouch for this because the soups are so delicious. I tried the beef and barley, which was hearty, and the Henderson soup mix, which is one I've never even heard of before. Um, it was so good. It's their take on a Scottish recipe with lentils, brown rice, split peas, and barley. And all of their things are perfect for any gathering, including the one you have alone with your cat in a good book by the fire. Oh, and did I mention the mulled cider spices? Oh, so good. Oh my mm. gosh. Pretty much all the items at Henderson's Hearth are vegetarian friendly, and so many are vegan friendly too. So, thank you, Henderson's Hearth. If you didn't know by now, we live stream all of our interviews, and you are invited to join us. Interact with our guests every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Time. Visit twitch.tv forward slash the modern romantic to follow us and subscribe. And don't forget to follow our social media accounts. Uh, we also invite you to share us with your coworkers because you can't possibly annoy them any more than you already have. Um, <laughs> we can try. We can try. <laughs> Emily, would you like to introduce our guest tonight? I would love to. This is exciting. This is quite the story. To start, he's got blacksmithing, which is, as we all know, like the sexiest of all smithings. Um, then he's got falconry, like actual live falcons, which is the coolest of raptors. Um, and if that wasn't enough, uh, he is a beekeeper, um, like Lord of the Bees, <laughs> which is something close to my own heart. And then if that wasn't enough uh, to top it off, like an unexpected little cherry he brews the mead with the honey from the bees so uh it can only get better by having him on our show which is what we just did uh ladies and gentlemen raptors and prey i present john from burrows forge hello <laughs> Yay! Hey. Uh, thank you so much for having me guys i appreciate it um i actually have an intro video that i can show you guys if you want to check it out yeah people can get an Absolutely. idea of what we do with the stream um, so let me pull it up here for you. Let's go. Good. See, this is what we want. Call. She shows up. This is pretty much what we do. Mm -hmm. 
So this has got all stages of root on it. See him right there? They're in the center. He's chewing his way out. So for those of you listening at home, um, that was an intro video that we just showed, a 60-second intro um, that I actually made for a magazine or zine, online zine article thing, which happened to just flow right into being a Twitch 60-second uh, intro video. Um, and that was my first time how to edit anything online. And uh, so I taught myself how to use Premiere Pro. And that 60-second video took me 26 hours to make. Um, and I used a bunch of just Twitch clips and things that I had um, from my Twitch uh, archive or whatever. So, um, but we were just showing uh, falconry, beekeeping, um, and blacksmithing. And you know, I'd like to point out that it actually took you longer than that to make because you have all the years of experience and knowledge and practice thrown into it too. So, well, so the falconry was mostly. I mean, bees was. Bees and Valkyrie, most of that was learned on, oops, was, no, on Twitch. And then um, the blacksmithing, really, a lot of it was done on Twitch. So a lot of these hobbies, and that's something I think it's, um, I like to, to share with people, is, is most of what I've done, I've done through Twitch. And Twitch has really been this avenue for me to kind of grow my hobbies and um, learn new things. Um, so I've been a blacksmith five years before I started streaming on Twitch, but I was like a, a once a month kind of blacksmith where I would pull stuff out of the garage and then, or it would all be covered with stuff and I couldn't get to it and, or I'd have something else going on. And in that first year of streaming blacksmithing and doing it two or three days a week, I became a better blacksmith in that first year of Twitch than I ever was the five years previous. Wow. Um, and so the same thing with beekeeping. Um, you know, I used to do beekeeping every like Saturday or something. I'd be out with the bees. And so most of like, I would say 90% of what I learned about bees was on Twitch with everyone learning with everyone as I, uh, figured out how to be a beekeeper. And then with falconry, um, I had done a lot of that work previously, but then I had another evening where I would work with my bird, um, on stream. That was a Wednesday night stream and I would work with Estrella and we would do a lot of just drills and stuff with people. And then occasionally we would go out and hunt on a Saturday instead of beekeeping. And, um, and we'd be out in the field working with her. So um, Twitch has really been my kind of hobby time that I've dedicated to kind of learn new things and to pursue uh, my interests. Um, yeah. so, so which hobby came first? <laughs> Wow. Um, so I actually, I guess it would be blacksmithing. Um, okay. The first time I did blacksmithing, I was 17 at a SCA event, which uh, I actually listened to the last podcast that you guys had. It's kind of like a Ren Faire, um, okay. but it's, mm -hmm. it's more organized. It's the uh, Society for Creative uh, Anachronisms, um, and it's mm -hmm. like a medieval... It's like called <laughs> Ren Faire is kind of hard, but it's like a Ren Faire with... A persistent kind of environment behind it but there's also people who do a lot of scientific research and like college level doctorates on like 
the clothing that people wore in the time period and they'll do all the research and have all the documentation for it. Um, and so it's kind of like um, a Ren Faire times a thousand or whatever. Um, and my first time I ever did blacksmithing was at one of these events. And I liked it so much that I spent the entire weekend with this um, man. I'm still not sure if it's a man or woman. Um, their name was Flea. And they taught me how to do some blacksmithing stuff. And it was so cool. I loved it. And I was like 17 or 18 at the time. And then I never touched it again until I was like like 32 or something. So um, I had a big gap in my life and where I didn't have a chance to really pursue that because I've been uh, moving around so much. Um, my parents divorced when I was young. Um, I kind of spent half my time in Washington, D.C. area, half my time in Vermont growing up. And then I went to school. I went to college. I have a bachelor's degree in international business. Uh, I did that in Vermont, but I did a bunch of jobs in between for being like a bouncer to working in hotels and restaurants. Um, I worked at a video game store for a while, and then I went and traveled. I lived in Japan for six months. I lived in Germany for six months. And then I ended up in Maui for seven years. I went there on vacation, and I just decided to stay like one does. And I lived in <laughs> right. Maui for seven years. Like one <laughs> and, does. Uh, I was just traveling so much that I just didn't have time to, to get back into blacksmithing or the falconry, the beekeeping and stuff. And um, so now that I have a little bit more of a home base, it's allowed me to, you know, I actually have a garage and it allowed me a little bit of, you know more time to pursue these things in an environment that's a little bit more constructive um and twitch actually was the big secret for me um i've always done little things here and there i you know i do electronics um i build like circuit boards and stuff and make computers do things and um mm -hmm. which i think is really interesting we'll have to incorporate in the stream someday and i kind of did that but i would lose interest in it or not do it enough um, but I'm going to tell you guys a secret right now, and I want to give some value to people that listen to this podcast. Um, if you want to learn how to do something, um, and you're lazy, me, cause I'm a very lazy person. It seems, uh, I find myself, um, you can get external accountability through a platform like Twitch or Patreon or a podcast or whatever it is, some kind of social platform, because um my biggest challenge when i came home from work i was tired i sat on the couch i wanted to watch tv with my wife or play video games or do whatever and it's you know i did it for five years and i wouldn't go out in the garage and i wouldn't blacksmith um but then once you have some external accountability for a stream uh for me that was like that was the the golden ticket you know because i just mm -hmm. i'm a proper person i have adhd um i don't have very good self-discipline and i needed to have that schedule um and it changed it changed my life being able to do all this kind of stuff you know being able to um learn how to blacksmith and beekeeping and falconry and all that and uh so it's you know if, if there's anything that you want to learn how to play an instrument you know how to um do knitting or sewing or whatever uh you know start a stream um and you know you'll you'll meet some people you may not have anyone there um but it has its own benefits, which can be very, very helpful. Okay, John, I I just gotta say, in in that span of time, there is more that I learned about you, and there is more that you have done in your one lifetime than I think any of us will do in ten. Um, one, let me say that is excellent advice um, about having an external um, <clears throat> external accountability. So 
very incredible, incredibly wise words. I want to go back and just talk about, you lived in Maui. You you lived between D.C. and Vermont. You, ha- you take up four different very interesting... Um, very interesting hobbies not to mention that you're also in school for you i believe you said welding you are a twitch streamer you have a full-time job i just have one question what haven't you done <laughs> uh my my wife would would uh, tell you there's i i always come up with new things i want to do and and she's been kind of reining me in a little bit um but uh there, there's always something new i think i think the best thing you can be in your life is is always a student um, always learning something new keeps things interesting. So, um, you know, I, I never thought I would be in welding school a year ago, um, but it's happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you know, always, always keep pushing that stuff. Um, That's awesome. So Archer mentioned uh, the name Estrella, and it's, um, and it's Archer from chat uh, who likes that name. And so Archer, that, uh, that name is actually uh, Spanish for star, um, I thought it was a pretty name, and so I had a, a female red-tailed hawk mm-hmm. uh, that was named Estrella, um, and so she was a wild caught uh, or trapped hawk um, who I had for four years, I think, um, and uh, taught her how to hunt, and then just a couple of years ago released her back into the wild to go make more bird babies and continue mm-hmm. her life. So. Um, do you have a falcon that you have now? So right now I do not. Um, it's uh, It's been something. So COVID kind of came and there's uh, falconry. The sport is very highly regulated. Um, and it needs to be because, you know, you can't have just anyone going out and taking a bird from the wild and then, you know, turning into a pet or something like that, you know. So um, falconry is extremely regulated. And uh, when COVID came around, it was time for my paperwork to be renewed. Um, and my experience with falconry was a little bit, you know, I was kind of on my own doing a lot of it. I did have a sponsor. There's a whole process you have to go through. You have to study for a test that has 300 questions on uh, bird anatomy and uh, how to be a falconer and stuff. You have to build a facility um, that's inspected by Fish and Game. Um, you have to approve it, and then you have to find a sponsor who is a master-level falconer who agrees to sponsor you. And so I had all those things, and I did that, but my sponsor and I kind of didn't really uh, hang out that much. Um, and when it came time to renew, I actually could have graduated and been on my own, but I just uh, I was doing my thing, and it didn't really bother me, and I didn't really care about titles and you know progressing or anything. I was just being a falconer, and I loved it. So when it came to renew the whole COVID thing was around, I could never get a hold of them. And so I wasn't able to renew my permit. And then now I've been so busy um, because the one thing out of all the hobbies that you can have, um, I don't think time is the best excuse because I think people do have time for things if they really carve out something in their, a time in their life. Like for me, it was having a stream schedule because I never thought I had time, but um you know, if, if you carve out the time, you can find three minutes a day to, or 30 minutes a week to do something, you know. Um, but uh, with the falconry thing, it's you got to have you need to fly your bird, uh, hunt your bird really at least three to four times a week minimum. And that's a couple hours being out with your bird because that's a that's a wild animal that you have. You know, it's a bird that flies free. And um, if you 
if you never fly your bird, you really shouldn't, in my opinion, be a falconer. It's different from state to state or, or from country to country. In the UK, it's it's very different. You can actually buy, I think you can just buy like an owl or something if you want to have it. Um, I don't know if it's like highly regulated there as far as like having permits and hunting and the government being involved. I'm not really sure, but it's different than it is here where really in the United States, you really should be flying your bird and, and hunting with it and kind of doing it. They're not pets here. They're, they're a, a hunting companion. Um, so I don't currently have a bird. Um, no, um, and that's really good insight. Also, buying an owl is a really good temptation for me just to move to Europe. Um, not gonna <laughs> lie, I really actually kind of want an owl for a pet, just a no. little bit. Um, if you you can't have one through falconry, but then you have to you have to fly bird. So, but um, uh, barred owl. Um, Great horned owls, um, those are all birds that you can uh, use for falconry, but with them, it's recommended that you take them as an AS, which is um, a newly hatched bird. And so they recommend that you go up into the nest and actually take it um, if you're gonna have one, just because of the way that, that the nature of that bird is. Um, and so something that's different from Europe versus the US is that uh, in Europe, you are not allowed to take a bird from a wild and uh or i guess the uk i should say you're not allowed to take a bird from the wild and then train that to be a hunting bird in the united states you are required by law to take your first bird from the wild and the reason why they do that here is that um, 80 percent of these birds never make it past their first year uh, in the wild due to the food scarcity territories being messed up, uh, disease, all that kind of things, all these challenges that these birds go through, 80% of them are going to die uh, the first year. So if a falconer takes that bird, um, the chance of that bird dying is much uh, reduced. And, you know, if you go out hunting with the bird, you don't catch anything, you go home and you feed the bird. You know, out in the wild, you know, the bird misses two or three times, it gets harder and harder to hunt, and then eventually that bird expires. Um, and so in the U.S., and that's why the sport can still be around with PETA and all those things kind of around these days, is that it's actually good for the bird because then you release it back into the wild after a few years, and it's a proficient hunter. It can provide for its family. It's gotten all that training with you, and it can go on and continue the species. So it's different from here in the U.S. versus uh, abroad in a lot of places. Huh. You were looking at getting into beekeeping. Is that what you were, that you were saying? Yeah, I've wanted to for a long time. And sorry, my cat is <laughs> interrupting. Get down, baby. <laughs> she about took out my mic. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, um, I thanks to uh, Josh, I got a, a beehive for my birthday, and some books on beekeeping. And I've looked into it in the past, and because to me the the honey is secondary i would like mm. more bees and to help the bees continue and survive and one of the because uh, there's like the flow hive and different hives of that nature but the mm. traditional beekeeping is is really just fine um but yeah i've been wanting to get into it uh so i have literally this box of wood pieces to put together right now that's Fun. how far i am <laughs> Yeah, you should do it on stream at some point. You guys should have a, a crafting oh. stream and put together the beehive. What a great idea. 
Thank you. Yes, we, we do that sometimes here. What is the expiration date for honey? Never. Never. Wait, seriously? They've, yeah, they found they found honey in Egyptian tombs that was still good. So yeah. as long as you don't allow uh, air and moisture to get in, mm -hmm. um, it'll stay good forever. So so bees, that's, that's my mom right there, by the way. Hey, mom. That's oh. Hi, mom. My mom, my mom was <laughs> Hi. what the expiration date for honey was. Um, <laughs> and uh, so the it's, it's actually quite fascinating. What the bees do is they take the nectar um, and they, uh, you know, collect that and then they um, dry that out with their wings to a point that it gets below, like, I'm not sure what the exact number is, but it's like 14% moisture content. Um, and then once they get a below a threshold, it becomes a, a substance that is, uh, amaerobic or I can't remember what it is, but basically that stuff can't live in it. Um, and as long as it's contained that way, so that moisture doesn't get above that 14% whatever it is, um, stuff won't live in it. So, and that's how you make modern, you know, mead or old meads and stuff. You know, there was, I think it was, you know, the people say Vikings were the ones that came up with mead, but probably what that happened was that they left out some honey somewhere and water got into it and it rained or whatever it was. And that moisture that was in there fermented um, that honey. And that's how they came out with mead. And so that was how the first mead was the first alcohol really that we've had. So, um, and then through that process, people have not refined it obviously, but uh, the general idea is really just honey that has been uh, brought up to a certain moisture content so that it can support flora and fauna and stuff. And then that um, starts to have a bunch of bacteria in it and they very simply, um, you know, pee, alcohol and, uh, you know, fart CO2, uh, and that's how you come up with your, uh, it's a very simple, uh, <laughs> it's a very simple uh, way to describe it, and that's how you come out with meat and alcohol, so, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, think that's going in my, sugars. I think it's, that is going in our quote book, uh, they pee alcohol and fart CO2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, as they um, consume all those sugars and replicate, yeah, yeah. Yeah, someone clip oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> I so you were so incredibly knowledgeable about about beekeeping and about all of these these hobbies and that's very um very present how long did it take you to really get to this point of mastery with these different hobbies um I don't really know if I'm I would consider it mastery I'm always learning stuff I mean I I tried to make this flint striker um on my stream last week and I broke it. Uh, so I've been doing this for seven years now and I made this little flint striker uh, okay. for a friend. And then I very stupidly hit it with a hammer trying to do something and I snapped it. So, um, you know, there's always, we're, there's always something I'm learning about. And, and one of the great things about Twitch and doing these hobbies on Twitch is that a lot of times you'll meet people through the community who are experts in different things. Um, and so a good example of this is um, now a true master of the craft would be a gentleman named Dirty Smith, who I, I was learning about blacksmithing. I would watch all of his videos and, and he has some beautiful work that he does. Uh, he's a professional blacksmith, that's his job. And uh, I was streaming and, and 
the Dirty Smith came into the chat and said hello um, when I was doing my live stream. I was like, are you the Dirty Smith? And he's like, yeah, man. Um, and so now I have, you know, Rory is his name. He will come in and hang out. But that's the one who actually knows what they're doing when it comes to blacksmithing, you know, and, and I can bounce ideas off of them. Um, we have another guy. It's Manchu. Uh, yeah, that's his, um, that's his website there. And we have another guy, uh, um, Orphe Tunes just put in the, the link, uh, www.dirtysmith.com. Yeah. Um, and we have another guy who, his name is Manchu Warrior, and this is, he's a machinist. Um, and he's also, like, he builds cannons and stuff as part of, like, a Revolutionary War reenactments that he does, I think. Um, and he'll come in the chat and, like, hang out and talk. And I've met so many people who are experts in different things through Twitch, and they just we hang out and bounce ideas off each other, and um, and that's been really cool. So a lot of my stuff has just been learning on YouTube, watching videos, and then trying it out. Um, you know, I, I think these days you can pretty much learn anything you need to learn um, on YouTube in some form or another, at least to get you started enough that you can kind of ponder along on your own. And then, you know, Twitch actually helped me learn a lot more because I've had access to these people now. I mean, I bet if I wanted to go out and spend a day in Rory's shop, he would love to have me over. Same thing with Manchu. I've met all these people from around the world now. There's a, another guy called The Forge on Twitch um, and he is in the Czech Republic and if I ever go out there um, we're gonna hang out and do a, a forging stream um, and he's he's a classically trained they do they do it differently out in Europe you can actually go to school for like four or six years or something to be a blacksmith and the whole first year is just drawing you never touch a hammer um, out there so it's you know um, that's another great way of learning and, and meeting these people is through the twitch platform um, so I kind of learn from research and then eventually I'll go out and do it and that's usually when my wife catches me is when she starts watching me watch like new videos on new stuff I'm watching mm -hmm. she's figured out now she's like okay no you can't do that <laughs> no, no, no buying 3d printers or you know that kind of stuff you know you have enough hobbies you know so yeah. Okay, so I have the question, the question, are you ready? Have you ever forged a ring of power? <laughs> um, I haven't <laughs> done rings. Uh, um, uh, I haven't done much jewelry, um, but uh, rings, I've, I've seen some people do some rings and I, 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 at some point I like to try that. Um, but no, I haven't, I haven't done any, um, any rings of power. So do you guys been watching that show? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Not yet. Trey is shaking Not his yet. head. So yeah, it's have you've been watching that series too? Yeah, so my wife and I enjoy that. We also watching um the the House of Dragons. Yes. Um and so she's actually watching the finale right now. Um because she couldn't wait for she couldn't wait for me. <gasps> she was She's watching it right now as we do the podcast, actually. We have to stop this podcast so that you can go right now. <laughs> there are priorities. Uh, no, that's fine. Yeah, so she, she'll, she'll get to know, and hopefully she won't spoil it for me uh, by the time I get the chance to watch it. So. Oh, yeah. No, don't let her spoil it. No. It's, yeah. Well, I'll be very careful and not say anything more. Have you watched the finale? Yep. Okay, I have not seen seen it yet, but I'm also waiting to watch the. Uh, God, you almost Harry said Potter Harry films. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, 
we're not going to rehash that this week. Uh, so I will wait to watch The Ring of Power until after I have a little bit more context. But it's on my list. I see you also did Hobbit Door Knockers. That's cool. Um, so that's what my mom is calling um, something else. That's uh, So these, this is a project that we did. Everyone teased me about it being a Hobbit Door Knocker. But, um, this is a uh, a one of the um, taps I did. So this, this beer here I'm drinking is... Um, it's the Beast of Slaughter by Mythic Brewing. Okay. And I did a collab with them where I forged uh, 60 uh, bar taps for them. It was my first commercial commission. And this is uh, one of them here. It's a feather. Um, and this is their logo here. And That's so cool. And was teasing me that this was a hot door knocker, they would tell me. Oh, so, okay. Know. But it's, it's swing. So it's meant to go onto a tap, you know, and then you can mm -hmm. pour your beer with it. I see. And I thought I had given out uh, or delivered all 60 and then i found one of my suitcase that i used as a demo piece when i went to seattle to do a, a twitch thing um and so i'm very happy that i have one that i can use on my own now but yeah you should have one of your own so cool uh, what is what is probably your favorite thing that you've ever blacksmithed um probably be something wrong tools i like making tools um and i have a couple things i can show you some things that we've made um some of it on stream i have one here that we made on stream which i'll show you this is a border spear um so this was fun to make i made this out of a a lawnmower blade um, and what did you call it a spear a boar spear oh okay um oh so this was made from a uh, a lawnmower that's why it has that circle in it because that's the nut where the sure it attaches to the lawnmower and so we forged this into a boar spear um so that was fun to do on twitch um and let's see what else we have um i've made some of my own hammers so i didn't make this on twitch i made this at a friend's forge um but this is the hammer that i use for blacksmithing and you made it. And so this is, yeah, we made this. And so this one, this one was actually from a Harbor Freight hammer that I got for $7. <laughs> and then we heated it up and we reforged it into a blacksmith style hammer that has a flat face and then also a rent face, which is important for doing certain things. And so this hammer, if you were to forge it all, would probably be like a 200 or $250 hammer. And, um, you know, I, got it for seven dollars plus the, the the labor to, to do it um and then i have one i made from scratch um not sure where that one is um it's like a harbor and, freight hack like yeah like how to take a, a harbor freight hammer and turn it into a blacksmithing hammer there there are some good tools uh at harbor mm -hmm. freight i actually have a um a bandsaw from them um and that's one of the good tools there's there's a there's a few secret tools you can get that are actually really good mm -hmm. but it's one of those things you kind of have to kind of have to know when it's hit or miss for a lot of their stuff uh so this is a an axe uh blank that we made okay um oh, wow. and uh it uh this is you know you put the x half through here and this is i think either 4140 which is a medium carbon steel and then I forge welded a high carbon bit in from um, a spring from a truck. 
And so this is like uh -huh. a high carbon steel, which you have the, the edge to hold, you know, for, um, you know, striking and all that. But then you have a mild steel or a, a medium carbon steel body so you can have some durability and strength to it. Um, so it's it's kind of the best of both worlds um, for for an axe. Um, so and it, you can kind of see, I don't know if you guys can see that line there. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of that forge line there is where we uh, forge welded in the bit. That's amazing. So, so for our audience at home, the uh, the axe plank that he was holding up, there's, um, there's this really prominent line running from the, the merging of the two metals between it. it has this nice curved top to it, and it's uh, merged the two different metals together. Um, but it's really seamless, though. Like, the coloration between it is all, like, super seamless. Yeah, and I could grind that down and have it um, kind of go away, too, if I wanted to. Um, but I kind of like the rustic look of knowing that, hey, this is like a forge-welded piece. You know? Oh, so, it's got yeah. a cool story. Um, Josh said it asked sort of a Sanmai-style axe head. Um, yeah, so Sanmai is um, a traditional Japanese way of making blades, and it's from taking um, uh, mild or uh, different steels and then kind of combining them in, in three layers. San is Japanese for three. So Sanmai is usually have a core steel in the middle, and then you have a jacket on the outside of, of these other steels, which is like a mild steel or a carbon you can do different things. You can be an artistic kind of look to it, or you can make it so that uh, it actually serves a purpose. So um, one of the problems with high carbon blades is that they uh, are fragile. So if you think about it, if you take a knife and you bend it over in a vise or something, it might snap because it's hard steel, which is what you want. You have a hard steel because it retains the edge that you have and it's easier to cut things with. Um, well, the Japanese have figured out that if you, um, you know, put a mild steel jacket on that, um, that it gets the flexibility of the mild steel, but the edge that sticks out of the bottom is still the high carbon steel. So the sand mine, when you use it, can actually increase, give you some different properties of the knife of having the hard edge, but still having the soft flexible body. And it's actually how they used to make a lot of their uh, katanas way back in the day. Um, they didn't have access to to good high quality steel. So they had to figure out a way to, to use the steel that they had in the best way possible. So they would take their, their, their iron and they would test different parts of it and find which ones had higher carbon and which ones were lower carbon. And they would stack their katanas when they forged them out in such a way that the higher carbon stuff was towards the edge and the, the mild carbon or the, the lower carbon stuff was the mild steel was along the spine and that gave them um, a superior as some would say product because then you had the hard edge which um, would cut with but then it had a flexible spine and um, they actually came across that because they didn't they had to they had to figure out a way to use um, how do you have this much quality steel but then stretch it over uh, this large distance to have a knife blade or, or a sword blade and that's how the katanas came around um, and so Western steels or mono steels, um, they had a higher quality steel. So the whole thing was a hard, you know, um, sword that was tempered a certain way, but, um, they had access to much better steel. So they didn't have to come up with that technique to have the flexibility like the Katana did. Um, and this is a, a knife that I made out of a, 
a farrier's rasp. Um, let's see if I can get some light on it. Um, and so a farrier's rasp is something that the uh, farriers use to doctor horse hooves. And oh, yeah. um, I turned that into a knife and twisted the handle around. So for use, for those of you at home, it looks like a, a, a file, but then I've twisted the, hand, the, the file handle around so that it looks like, um, well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a round handle. So It makes it it's something usable, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something you can do with a, as a blacksmith. Um, a lot of the people who are bladesmiths um, who do stock removal, which is nothing wrong with stock removal, they take a, a knife blank and then they grind it down into shape. Well, if you're a blacksmith, it kind of opens up your uh, methods and processes into a way to kind of incorporate things. You know, you, you can't grind down from a blank something like this to incorporate mm. a handle. You have to forge that. Um, so um, there's a little bit, if you're a blacksmith, as well as a bladesmith, then you can kind of, um, or I should say, if, if you're a blacksmith bladesmith, instead of just a stock removal guy, you can be a little bit more organic with your um, developments and creations when you're making things. Right, I like that. You can, the sky's kind of the limit to some degree on that. How, okay. So this, while you were talking, it just kind of occurred to me that how how does one go from blacksmithing to beekeeping? And um, I I I don't know. That was that <laughs> I yeah. How does one go from blacksmithing to beekeeping? So the I mean I guess I've always since I was a kid been interested in like the medieval stuff and times and stuff. So. Um, blacksmithing was, I always thought it was cool. And of course, like every person, I always wanted to make a sword, you know, and, um, and that was always an interest of mine. I just never had time for it or as I tell myself that I could have done it if I really decided I wanted to do it. But, um, and then with the, the mead making and brewing alcohol, um, I mean, I, I, that kind of comes along with the whole medieval thing, like the, the knights and the kings and stuff, they would drink mead. Uh, and so it's more of an interest in kind of like the old medieval time period in a way. I, I'm not a historian. I don't study a lot of that kind of stuff. But there are, you know, I loved, you know, knights and all that growing up and watching all those movies as a kid. You know, Robin was a, with Kevin Costner, I think it was, back in the day. It was one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, yeah. Also, Hook with Robin Williams, the whole pirates and all that kind of stuff. Like anything from that time period, uh, you know, Rufio, Rufio, Rufio. <laughs> you know, I guess might know, know some of that. Um, but I loved all that kind of stuff. So you know, pirates and um, treasure and you know, swords and blacksmithing and you know, knights and shining armor and feasts and cooking and. Um, you know, food and all that kind of stuff. And, and alcohol, it's just like a, I wanted to learn how to make my own alcohol. And to do that, um, that's how I became a good keeper was, was like, well, I want to make me, but to make me, I need honey. And then I spent a whole bunch of money becoming a beekeeper. And I still haven't got a lot of honey, but, um, you know, I'm now a beekeeper. So, and I've gotten a little bit here and there to make some mead, but um, just a, for you guys out there, if you're getting into beekeeping because you want to make mead, probably you're better off just buying the honey um, because, <laughs> you know, you'll be a lot faster and you'll have the honey. And, um, yeah, so 
Um, yeah. I guess that but makes it's fun. sense. It's yeah, right. it's a good, it's a, it's a lot of fun for sure. Um, I'm also allergic to bees. Oh, um, what? And, um, yeah, but I've been fascinated by them since I was a kid. Um, but I always have Benadryl with me and stuff when I get stung. Um, and fortunately, the 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 place where I keep my bees is right next to a hospital. So um, if I have to go to the hospital, it's like right there. Right there. Wow. Yeah. Do you get stung a lot? So um, I do because um, as you get better at this, Emily, and you start becoming a beekeeper, eventually you're not going to wear a whole bunch of stuff. Right. Um, and it's actually much better not to wear a bunch of stuff. That's what but I hear. For me, because I'm allergic to bees, I wear all the stuff. Um, yeah. Because um if i when i get stung if i have stuff on it's not as serious because for whatever reason when i wearing gloves and i get stung in the hand um if i can kind of get the stinger out or they go through the glove usually it's not that bad um but if i don't have any gear on and it gets stung then my whole hand swells up um like a like an inflated glove balloon um and it's annoying um so uh, now I have to wear all the gear and because I have all the gear on. I'm not as um, dexterous in the hive. And so eventually sometimes I smoosh a couple of bees and they get upset. And so I pretty much always get stung um, uh, just about every time uh, when I'm beekeeping. So. Yikes. So I just have a lot of Benadryl in my truck. So if you get stung enough times, do you turn into like a superhero like Spider-Man? <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> particularly know. Um, but if I get swarmed, then I, you know, I go into shock and, and potentially die. So, um, I just don't get swarmed. Uh, yeah, right. I've never been swarmed. The opposite um, effect, right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the spider exhibit at the Smithsonian. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, his mom just said, <laughs> she said, you have always been into critters of all kinds. You love the spider exhibit at the Smithsonian. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I just always love zoos and stuff, and so we would go to the Smithsonian, I guess, and they have um, they have some different exhibits on bugs and stuff, and so I can't remember if that was a live exhibit or not, but I'm just fascinated by spiders and snakes, and, you know, uh, I'm kind of the snake guy in the neighborhood. If, if there's someone's, like, there's a snake in someone's car, they're just, they'll come and get me, and I'll go and grab the snake out and put it somewhere else. Um, and if spiders in the house, I'll catch them, you know, in my hands and just bring them outside. Uh, it's usually fine because uh, there aren't very many. I know the dangerous spiders that we have here, and there's I've never seen them. I have seen right. some bad snakes. Um, I will I will kill bad snakes just because it's I don't have the equipment to to safely remove a, a coral snake, which is which is you know deadly. Yeah. Um, especially with dogs and stuff. So I, if I see those, I will I will. Um, a dispatch of them but every any other snake i just pick up and move it somewhere sure which reminds me i used to live in south carolina and i had a neighbor with a snake that was on their their deck and it had kind of tw- it was trying to get to a nest that was up near the roof and i think to get the eggs but um they were terrified mm-hmm. of the snake and they didn't know what to do and i was like well i'll i can tell it's not a venomous snake so i'll just go I'll grab it because they were going to kill it. And I didn't want them to kill it because uh, it wasn't really a, a danger. So I uh, took a blanket and grabbed it and put it into like a, you know, those like 30 gallon bins with the plastic lids. 
I store mm. fabric in those. So I just grabbed an empty one and threw the blanket with the snake in it in the bin. <laughs> and it was getting dark out. And I was like, I'm just going to drive it out somewhere in the country and drop it off. At least it's not in the neighborhood. And it won't die. How far did you drive from your house? Uh, For that. Close to a mile. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think because the next nearest place where I felt like it would be safe. Because I, I, I lived in an apartment complex. It was like townhouses. So I wanted to make sure I was not near more people who could kill it. So it was like down the road anyway but i opened the i opened the lid and i took the blanket and there was no snake in that bin oh no and i don't i don't think it was in my car because i searched i looked everywhere for that snake and the only thing i could think of is somehow because it was getting dark it had gotten out of my grasp as i was putting it in the bin and somehow slithered away without anyone there seeing i have no idea but i never found the snake so, <laughs> anyway, sorry, that was my snake story. That and, was just your first attempt at magic. Right, it was just, I can make a snake disappear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, uh, one question was, what is in my aquarium behind you? I, uh, well, once upon a time there were fish, but uh, I've been growing, that's basil right there, and that's also basil in that little cup there. Mm. And that's uh, like a hydroponic seed starter thing so i grew my garden this year because i moved to minnesota which is where i'm at now and i'm not used to the shorter growing season so i still wanted to start all my plants early indoors so my entire garden was started here uh tomatoes and peppers and all kinds of things so that's what i use it for because i have a cat that will eat it all if i don't keep it contained and out of her reach (laughs) Uh, so Also, the light is helpful, so that's um, what it is. Whenever, whenever she was first getting started with that, um, I did poke fun a little bit because all I saw were, like, these yogurt and sour cream cups in the background. I was like, are you growing sour cream plants? Yep. Because like- <laughs> I reuse containers to grow things. <laughs> yeah, that's like a Dixie cup that happens to be green. <laughs> yeah, send me all of your empty plastic containers. I will use them to grow plants. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, John, what... How do I ask this? If there is one material that you could blacksmith, and it could be something that can be blacksmithed or Mithril. cannot. Mithril? Yeah. I mean, Why? Where yes. it has to be something real, or does it have to be, like... Such a no, good answer. It, it could be anything, and I'm so glad you said mithril. Such a good answer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always thought. I mean, I used to, I play a lot of D. I used to play a lot of D and D and stuff. So um, I always loved, um, yeah, the the myth, the Elven chain from like way back yeah. in the day. That's always that's always been in D and D as far as I can remember. So um, I started playing uh, eight advanced. I think it was advanced D and D way back in the day, and then we played D and D second edition a little bit, and then I got big into three point five in college. And then I've tried to play some, I think five uh, recently with some friends. But yeah, so it would be Mithril. You know, I think that one's really cool because it's like super strong but really lightweight. And, you know, um, and then it's also in the new, uh, you talk about a lot of the new Lord of the Rings show. Yep. Uh, so that kind of brought it to mind. But yeah. But what would you make? 
Oh. Uh, probably a hammer. Hmm. Um, just the idea of having a, a lightweight, super strong hammer. Well, mm -hmm. I guess if it's lightweight, it might not work as well. So, um, because you it helps to have weight when you're doing with yeah. hammering something. So I guess maybe that maybe not a hammer. Um, you could do like one of those. Um, what is it? You make a hammer, but then you have a chain on it, so you could like whip it around almost like a mace, and then like throw it at people, and then like bring it back to you. Yeah, yeah, like a, kind of like a, or like a morning star or something. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I think a blade, some kind of a blade though, I think would be really cool. Um, uh, I, I like chainmail too. I mean, I would just make a whole bunch of stuff out of it. I got into, I don't have any of the pieces here, but for a little while I was going to actually get to making armor for a, so something I did for a little while was I joined a medieval combat group. Um, and this was a full on fully armored, uh, with live weapons like steel full contact uh sport and i got into doing that for a, maybe a couple months um but that was just before i started like getting a job and almost like a real job um i say a real job but i used to do photography work and the schedule was very flexible so i did real estate photography a few months ago um and uh, i was laid off and but still putting myself through um welding school and uh now i actually got a job as an iron worker working for um a company that's doing work for the new universal studios park that's coming in and so now i'm an iron worker and up on big steel and welding up there which is really fun but now i've gone from having more free time to i get up monday Wednesday, fr or monday tuesday wednesday i go to school at 7 a.m until 12 and then i drive to my job i'm at my job from one to five um and so i do that and then um thursday friday saturday i work at my job from 6 a.m until 5 30 p.m and then i have sunday is my one day off so the whole the the medieval fighting thing unfortunately i just I can't physically be there for practice. Um, so that has been a hobby of mine that I unfortunately cannot do, but we were working on smithing armor. That was the direction we were going into. Very that was cool. Something we did on stream, but unfortunately that's not the case anymore. So, um, and the job pays well, um, which is nice compared sure. to my old photography job. So, um, so Emily, I know you're into photography. I think you. Yeah, I've done real well. estate photography too. At some point, I don't anymore. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can find. I have um, some pictures in the in the uh, Discord. So any of you guys, if you happen to be uh, listening at home, I do have a Discord. And uh, if you look up um, Burroughs Forge, I think on Twitch you can find a link to my Discord there. So if you want to go back and and see any of these photos or um you know see other things or post your own stuff we have a, a discord that's open to everyone cool where anyone can post their arts and crafts and hobbies and things um but i did want to show you uh two pictures if that's okay i know it's yeah do it not, not quite a podcast friendly thing but if you guys want to see there is a way for you guys to see it in a little bit so let me find it here um it's creative forge uh yeah creative forge is the, okay the name of it in discord yeah um, and I didn't want to call it Burroughs Forge because I wanted I wanted it to be something that everybody can um, can participate in. 
and have it not be just about me. So everyone kind of posts their their own stuff in there. Um, That's cool. So I have some for my trip to. Um, I went to on a cruise with my wife. I think it was our honeymoon, and we went to um, the Louvre out in Paris, and then yeah. also. Um, we were in Budapest and we went to these uh, ruin bars, which are these old blown out houses from like World War II. Um, and then they've turned them into their actual physical ruins that they've turned into bars. And so they're filled with graffiti and like half blown out walls and stuff. And um, But it's like a nightclub. And so I got some different stuff there. So um, let me switch over so you guys can see. Um, so this is a picture of a statue um, that I took in the Louvre, which is from Rome. And I just really like the lighting and stuff that they had there. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then I have another one that's uh, this guy. Uh, this is at the Ruin Hub. I was just sitting there smoking, a, I think it was a vape or a hookah. It was a hookah. But yeah, so there's just some photography stuff. And so that actually has some of the photography gear allowed me to kind of get into using this some of this stuff for the stream. Uh, but a lot of people think they have to have a lot of fancy equipment to do streaming. Um, and it's not, it's not really something that you have to have. The, the biggest thing that you need for, for streaming is um, you can just get a webcam, but then I would invest in a good mic because audio, audio quality is probably the most important. And then like kind of uh, the video quality comes after that and then maybe get a, a decent light. Uh, but people think they have to get all these things to be uh, a successful streamer and uh, they kind of get lost in trying to get stuff set up and a, a year passes by and they still have it streamed, you know. Um, but fortunately, I had some gear so I could, uh, I had a vision for how I wanted this particular stream to come up where they could see the anvil and they have a couple different views of the anvil that they can look at. Um, and I also have a shoulder cam that I can walk around the, the studio with and kind of show them certain things and um, do tours if people ask questions we can go to the bandsaw if I need to cut something and still have that on camera but I have a, a friend who's Atomic Stacy on Twitch and she does knitting and she, she started knitting with just a, a webcam that she borrowed from me and an old microphone from her husband that used to do some streaming stuff with it and now she's got the community to buy her a nice microphone and a nice camera and she has a dual camera setup now and she uh, she does knitting on stream. We spent tons of people through that, and they're actually having a, a meetup in Chicago. They're calling it Atomic Con. A bunch of knitters uh, from the community that all knit and kind of hang all hang out online are all going to meet up uh, in for a few days in Chicago. Wow, so pretty cool. So that's some amazing growth. I really like stories like that where. Yeah, it's it's not a huge channel. I mean, she she streams to maybe like twenty or thirty people. I'm not, I haven't I'm not really sure where she's at now um, since my schedule changed. Um, but you know, you'll kind of find people as you go, and there maybe there's you know ten people that show up at this thing. Just the fact that you had that opportunity to kind of meet and interact with these people, and they'll do community events and stuff. And um, I know I know I've been talking a lot, but I do have one little tidbit about streaming that I would like to share. I think it's pretty important. Um, and I only bring this up because I just had a friend of mine who was in the stream um, the, on my last stream. He, he's a streamer and he plays video games on Twitch. And he was just telling me he's getting into the situation now where he's going to stop streaming because he doesn't think he has the channel that people are interested in that want to see 
the content on Twitch. So he doesn't think he's excitable enough or his content of playing video games, he's not good enough at the game or whatever. And so he's kind of getting frustrated. He's going to stop streaming. Um, and if you instead stream for yourself, you kind of take care of any kind of problem with viewership and there's always this thing that people want to stream they're like oh what if no one watches me or what if no one ever comes in and, and wants to check it out or what if no one's in there talking to me well if you stream for yourself and something like learning something like getting or i want to learn how to play guitar or i want to learn how to cross stitch or paint or whatever it is if that is what you're investing in and you're investing in yourself then the numbers and the community and all that kind of stuff takes a back seat and then you don't have to worry about that because you're not out there playing a game to try to make money or whatever it is. You're investing in yourself and learning a craft and learning to do something. And then whether someone shows up or not, you're getting benefit out of that. And it takes all the stress of the numbers and, and all that stuff out. And that's a huge barrier to people as they're worrying about what if I don't have anybody or what if I don't make any money or, well, you're not doing it to make money. You're doing it because you want to get better at this thing. And then what happens surprisingly is that if you're focused on getting better at this thing but being open to a community and just talking about stuff as you do it you still have to do some basic things as a streamer but that key will come naturally instead of you trying to focus on building this or trying to do all this stuff you know um and that was a that was something i don't think i'll ever be you know have a hundred people on my channel you know I, I usually float somewhere between like 12 and 25 um, but there's been so many opportunities I've got just because I focus on what we do, the crafting and stuff. I've been out, I've been with Twitch now for two events. Um, the last one, they flew me out to Seattle for a day and I did an event with them on a show with this really cool, um, lady named Gina, who does this like really cool crafting show, um, that happens on, I think on Tuesdays on the prime gaming channel. <laughs> and we made some really cool stuff and chatted and stuff, but all these things were um, came out of the stream just from me trying to learn how to be a better blacksmith or beekeeper or whatever it is, you know. And I've still mm -hmm. never had, you know, 400 people, 10,000 people, whatever it is watching me, but, you know, those opportunities just kind of come up organically and whatever happens, I'm still investing myself and in getting better at something. And so I never lose, you know, I, I'm never, I'm never wasting my time. You right. Know? Yeah. And that's, that's really something I think that we've highlighted on our channel is that as long as you're loving what you're doing, like that's what matters. Bring your, bring the quality of the content that you're doing, everything else will follow. And as long as you are putting forth what you want to put forward as your art, that's what matters. The numbers, the people, um, having a following, sure, it's nice, but what matters more? The fact that you hand sewed, sorry, Emily, I'm going to use you. You <laughs> hand sewed this garment with all of these intricate designs, or you took 80 hours to blacksmith this very intricate spear and halberd and um, put all of your time and effort into making it look the way that you wanted it to do versus, oh my God, did I have 10, 10 people in my stream tonight? That, that part doesn't matter. It's the fact that you took time to create this incredible piece of art. So um, so I think that's incredibly wise words for, um, for this generation. Um, so thank you, John. Yeah, it's, 
it's it's a hundred percent true and and you always you always i mean i'm i do sometimes get caught up about the numbers thing because it's hard not to um mm -hmm. but i always go back to am i spending my time um well and for for i had to start doing it but for me to struggle at blacksmithing for five years and just never really do it and then stream it on twitch and become of actual blacksmith was such mm -hmm. a, a uh, an opportunity for me that i wouldn't have had you know and so I, I think i think there's really anybody can get better at anything they want to do on twitch if they just start streaming and put the time in absolutely you know? Because you, you, if you put time in, you're going to get better at something, you know, so. Yeah. You know, and that's something that uh, Joe Capone was living proof of because when he first started Twitch streaming was, what, a couple of years ago, and he was doing retro gaming, playing old um, Tecmo Bowl. Oh, it was wow. Tecmo Bowl. And I, I just couldn't get it through my head that anybody would ever want to watch him sit and play Tecmo Bowl over and over and over and over again four nights a week for hours on end and i would join in on the you know to give him another viewer and i would heckle him in the chat a little bit just to kind of support him but like that's not my thing and i was really surprised at the number of people that came out and he actually it wasn't so much that there were a ton of people that were into watching him play the game but it was the community he built out of that and we saw evidence of that at the memorial for him when so many people showed up that we didn't really know because they were connected with him through his channel. And I that blew my mind that he had that he had created that community and connected with people in a in a real way. Something that uh I mean we we've seen that here too. We're a lot newer at it, you know, but um because I mean, let's let's also point that out. Your mom is here. Like that is like yes. that is such an incredible source of positivity. Like, hi mom. That's yeah. that's awesome. It's, hi, it's funny. My mom and I haven't been that close over the last um, gosh, probably twenty years now. But mm -hmm. um, she is always in my streams now. I um, she's a little bit uh, she's she's very eccentric and she's a little bit of a hermit. Um, she doesn't really get out of the house at all. Um, she doesn't really have a lot of, I don't think she has any friends. Mom, sorry, call you out, but, um, um, but you know, she doesn't have a, she doesn't have a social outlet. Um, well, we will be your friends. It's, but it's incredible because now she has tons of friends on Twitch. Oh, good. She comes into the channel and people say hi and, and, you know, there's all these people that are excited to see her and, and she has people to talk with now and hang out with and um you know it's been this really i would have never expected in the you know you know i would never expected to have like my mom be a huge part of my community with all these friends and like and you know, being a social butterfly with everybody and she hangs out and chats with everybody and the first time i got her on she said she's i i took two hours to get her set up on twitch to like download the app and like how to type in the name and find someone yeah. and follow um, and I was like, well, this is where the chat bar is. If you want to chat, she's like, oh, I don't want to chat with anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I was like, okay. And then, um, the next, the next stream, 
she started chatting with everybody and, and talking and stuff. And now she's been a lot of, it's been a lot of fun. And my mom and I are closer now than we've been in 20 years. Uh, it's just crazy. So we actually start talking, you know, a lot more on the phone and stuff and about the streams and she loves it. Um, That's so great. Um, yeah, one so. thing I would like to say, John, is uh, she did say two things. One, on the Sanskrit. And two, careful, John, I'll share your chart. Yeah, so my mom's a, she's a Sanskrit uh, Um And she studied a lot of this stuff when I was very young. Um, and so she's, it's a, it's, it's like part of looking at like stars and calendars and planets. It's not astrology, mm -hmm. but it's something kind of similar to that in a way, uh, a very basic way of looking at it. Um, but uh, so she, her first question when I was born was not whether I was a boy or a girl. It was what time it was. She had all the doctors synchronize her watches and stuff. And she had my birth down to a second so that she could then pull my chart. And it's all about like, you know, you have 12 houses and all the plants are different parts and stuff and it's supposed to be about your life. And so she's very much into that and um, and the tarot cards and all that. So if you can think of like a um, like a high class gypsy eccentric hermit, that's my mother. Like all the stories you see of like, you know, it's that's my mom um, pretty much. So, um, but she's very high class and she likes you know, nice clothes and nice jewelry and nice, you know, nice things and stuff. But she's a gypsy hermit. It's, it's she's a lot of fun. Uh, 6,000 years old. Uh, uh, Vedic medicine. She sometimes she has the, the fat fingers when she types. So Vedic medicine. OK, not that she's 6,000 years old, but the medicine is. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll sure hear just... about this when I talk to her on the phone. <laughs> or, I mean, it could just be her secret. She she could just say, oh, no, I'm, no, I'm secretly 10,000 years old, and I've just been doing this, and I have amassed immortal power. I don't know. I don't just know where like, I was going with that. It's exactly like John being a superhero because he's been stung by so many bees. Yes. He yeah, just keeps absolutely. it under wraps. I mean, because you have to, right? In this day and age, you can't just be spouting off that you're a superhero. People don't yeah. buy that. No, he just keeps it honeycombed up in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm terrible with puns, but I'm trying. Um, John, is there, <laughs> is, there, is there anyone alive or dead? that you would like to make something for hmm. me thriller otherwise <laughs> yeah, um, so the, the the challenge is i don't know if my skill level is like i guess i would i guess what i would like to do is make something with mm. um a blacksmith from you know a thousand years ago because Ooh. you know i think that they've there's so much in the craft that's been lost mm -hmm. that um, we'll never get back. Like they had ways of making, they, there's a lot of people who study uh, armor from the Roman times and they were able to do stuff then that we still haven't quite figured out how they did it with the technology that they had. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if I, cause I don't know if I have um, the skills to make a really fine blade to give to somebody, you know, um, but I would love to make something with them, you know, just spend a day in a shop with a, an old blacksmith. 
excuse me, and see the techniques they used to make the things they did. Yeah, cool. That's probably what I like to do. Yeah. That's a good answer. What, what do you feel is one of the most fulfilling things about what you do, whether it be falconry or beekeeping or, you know, any of those things? What is one of the most fulfilling things? Uh, I mean, it was probably falconry. Um, you know, having a connection with this wild animal um, and working with it, it's, it's pretty amazing to think that you can take this, this animal who's, and then teach it to cooperate with you and learn how to work with it. Um, and the first two weeks, the bird wants to have nothing to do with you at all. Like it just like it, it will, it will tear off your face if you let it, like it just hates you. Um, and then you have to go through the process of manning the bird. And uh, it takes about two weeks or so uh, up to a month. And then at that point you have a relationship with the bird and they'll come to you for food and things. And so, um, that whole process was just so cool. I mean, just, uh, you know, I, at that point I've only seen them up in the trees and maybe gone to a zoo and seen a hawk or read books about that, but to be able to call a bird and have the bird come and land on your fist was, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, so I, I think that was definitely rewarding. I always wanted my, my dream job, I would say was to be a, um, a zoologist, you know, um, until I learned how much science and stuff is involved in that. Like, I just want to work with animals. I think that would be cool, but there's just typically not a lot of money in that. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of it's like volunteer based or something. And I, I've done that. I've volunteered at the avian reconditioning center here in, uh, Florida and worked with birds of prey when I was deciding if I wanted to be into falconry. I, was, I did that. And it's, it's a lot of work and it's it's fun and it's you, you get something for it but to have to be a job i think is is very difficult uh if you want to have any kind of gainful employment so um and i wasn't cut out to be a vet you know science is something i'm interested in but, but you know ask me to study equations and formulas and stuff it's just difficult for me so um you know fuckery was like my window into my childhood dream of working with animals you know yeah that's kind of how i felt about biology like i was great at chemistry and i understood the science like the math portion of it but then we got into the biological systems of and like ecosystems of stuff and my brain just went just dead absolutely dead yeah it's, it's interesting how our brains work in different ways you know some people can do some things well and then other people can do other things well uh and some people can't do things at all um, I always think that's interesting how our, our, you know, how we're so different and what our talents are, um, and what we pick up and learn quickly or not or whatever. So, right. There's a lot of people that, and you've probably experienced this too. They say, which is something I don't always like to hear, but I'll explain. I could never do that, you know, cause they actually think in their mind, like they don't have whatever it takes to go take a hammer and hit metal that's hot and, you know, create something with that. And, you know, that's just, that's just too far for their brain to, you know, they don't think they could achieve that. I've had the same thing with 
uh, like with uh, sewing or photography, I could never do that. I don't understand how cameras work. I don't understand my own sewing machine, whatever. And I'm like, I mean, if I can do it, <laughs> I feel like if I can do it, anybody can because I figured it out on my own. I never took a sewing class or a photography class. I just learned it, you know, YouTube and other things and my grandma. And so I wondered, do you, do you have that? Do you have people say that to you? I could never do that. Um, I mean, I've had people tell me I can't do things. It's more not been yeah. like, of course, people say I can never do that. But my entire life, I've had people tell me that I, um, so my, when my, when my family got divorced, I had some, I had a stepmother that I didn't get along with very well. And she, this is a bit, this is kind of some private information, but I, 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 you know, I'll, I'll share it because I think it's important in the context of, of this, but she told me I was never going to graduate high school. She told me that if I drove the truck, I was going to crash it. That I was never going to have a job that I never, you know, basically amount to be anything in my life. Um, and it became, and when I was growing up, I was a rebellion. I was in all remedial classes, the school, like all the special education classes. I refused to read and write. Um, when my summers were spent trying to catch up on schoolwork because I didn't do it. And so my entire life was me, people telling me I was never going to be anything. Um, and uh, my mother was always insistent that it was just kind of my ADHD. And, uh, you know, I just didn't really, I would find things that I was interested in and I would like grasp onto them. And I'd spend all this time like on, on this stuff, you know, in fifth grade, I, I spent hours and hours and hours drawing out a river system with how the current would flow through like this creek and river but they couldn't get me to sit down for three minutes to do a, a, a word exercise on writing or something, you know? So everyone just assumed that I was especially educatedly challenged or whatever. Um, but I just didn't have the, you know, the, the drive for, for the, the interest in that. And so that self-discipline was something I had to learn over time, but my entire life people have been telling me I can't do things. And, and you, you, I think, you can't do anything, but you can do almost anything um, if you put your mind to it and really put the time into it. And the only person that's stopping that from happening is you. And if there are people in your life that are stopping you from doing things like that, that are constructive, then you need to remove those people from your life and surround yourself with better people. Um, because you know your, your, your environment is very inf heavily influenced by the people that you have in your life. And if you have a lot of negative people who are constantly trying to hold you back and kind of drag you down um that's not gonna you're not gonna be able to flourish in that environment so you need to get yourself around some people that are encouraging and and want to see you succeed and then you need to focus on yourself and you can get to wherever you need to be um and i as i mentioned i've had people tell me my entire life that i was gonna amount to, to nothing and i couldn't be a blacksmith i've heard that you know i can't do this i can't do that and uh you know that's up to you you know the only person that's holding you back as you. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I want to address a comment I saw. Um, sewing is difficult. Put a zipper in the back of a dress. Yes, zippers are difficult. And the way I approached that, I don't know if this is helpful to anyone, but the way I approached that was I'm going to go and find all of the tips and tricks that are out there on YouTube and everywhere else. And I'm going to be a master at putting a zipper in a dress so that it is never going to be difficult for me again. 
I used to approach work that way. There were a few things at work that I absolutely hated doing. I felt like I wasn't good at it. It was like an, this insurmountable challenge that was this unattainable mountain. And I went, okay, I'm going to master that mountain so that it's not difficult anymore. And it's it's hard. That's a lot of like self-discipline and a lot of kick yourself in the butt to figure out how that's going to work for you. But that's that's why I can put a zipper in the back of a dress. I, I deal with that a lot on my job right now. I've almost quit many times. Um, uh, so I, I walked on this job to be an iron worker and um, you think you're okay with heights. You're like, yeah, I can do that. And then when you're a hundred feet up in the air and you're walking across a beam that's four inches wide, um, you find out very quickly that, you know, Yikes. heights are something different. You know, you can think as much as you want that you can deal with something until you're faced with it. And um, I've had it be on these buildings and you wear a harness that weighs like 70 pounds with your with your stuff in it. And you're carrying a bolt bag, which weighs 50. And then you have to balance all this stuff and you oh. have to get across it and then put bolts into the connections on the steel. And uh, that was tough because like your mind, like that was probably one of the more difficult things I've ever done because like the fear that comes in your mind from something like that is hard to get over. Like you can tell yourself it's fine. I'm on a harness. If I fall, I'm not going to die because I'm on a heart with a harness and stuff. But like, there's just some kind of thing in your brain that just messes with you and to continually force myself to keep doing it. And it has gotten easier the more I've done it. But, um, that was, you know, getting over that, uh, and forcing myself to be kind of be there. And I, it's become a personal challenge for me to get comfortable on the steel like that. Uh, when I have to go up on and walk the the, the beams um, to force myself to get used to it because it'll be a skill set for down on the road. I can always go back to iron work um, and it pays typically pretty well. So yeah, that's, just, that's, it. that's good. Yeah, I, d I don't think anybody thinks about how you have all of this heavy gear and other things on top of just your own self out there. Hmm. Plus there are yeah. other elements that can be factors right like a windy day oh yeah yeah the wind can take you out um you could just slip on a slippery beam and that's that um you could try to be doing something with a tool and try something you try to catch it and now you're off balance and i'll i'll climb trees I'll, I'll climb on anything on the ground you know i'll jump over stuff but it's different when you're 100 feet in the air like everything changes um yeah it's just uh it's hard to describe until you actually sure do it you know and i'll be in a basket like i've been we've been had some beams that we had to adjust and i'm in a man basket and we'll bring that up and i'm finding that i can sit all day in this thing it's not the heights you know so much that worries me it's like for some reason walking across that narrow beam and falling is just something that messes with my head sure yeah, but. so far we've talked about so many things that i'm fearful of on this channel in the last hour we've talked about spiders we've talked about heights we've talked about we haven't yet to talk about my irrational fear of something i'm not going to mention oh. um because i don't want to that be used against me hmm. <laughs> emily don't stop <laughs> we're doing a lot of sharing here yeah you know? so it's i mean um about conquering our fears yeah this is one of those things that i that i still haven't conquered and it's just irrational to the point of um, if anyone ever pranks me with this, I will punch them in the face. 
Like oh, it wow. is, it is, it is that bad. Okay. I don't know what it could be because I feel like I know you pretty well and I would know what this was. Do I know it? Uh, I think you do, but I just don't talk about it a lot because, again, I don't want to be pranked with it. No, I I get, I hear that loud and clear. <laughs> I'm not going to prank uh-huh. you with it. Thank well, you. Well, I know it's um, not hurricanes because you still live where you live. <laughs> no. Um, porcelain dolls. Oh. Like, Is that I really? really? Yeah. I okay. really cannot stand to be in the same room as, look at, or just have inner, any kind of general proximity to porcelain dolls. Those can be Can't creepy. Stand. I mean, I've had, I've had nightmares and my mom um, was so enthusiastic because her mom brought out these baby dolls that she had when she was a kid. One was like an actual like baby doll. The other one was my height at nine years old. Like that thing was creep. Okay. Anyway. So, <laughs> Sorry, we don't want you to. Perfect housewarming gift for you is <laughs> not that. We don't um, want you to have nightmares tonight just from talking about it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that is my irrational fear. So heights, now dolls, and um, spiders. But more, I think the moral of the story is that. Um, I think what you're saying is true and to conquer your fears you have to to find a way um to to face them and it's about finding not a coping mechanism but finding out what works best for you to help you be brave in that moment because you can still be brave while being afraid of something um so i i think i think what your the overall message is very true i just wanted to to just say i don't like spiders um <laughs> emily you were you were gonna say something oh uh oh i was gonna ask if it had to be a porcelain doll <laughs> i'm sorry we don't have to go back to that let's not i don't really have any fears but i have overcome many hmm? i have i have like little momentary things but i'm not afraid of spiders or any animals I have a healthy respect for them, though. So, like, I'm not going to go get involved with a grizzly bear on purpose. So, I mean, you get it. (laughs) We had a black widow infestation at the store I used to work at. And it was, I mean, hundreds of black widows. There might have been more, but, like, I only saw hundreds. And that was, Mm -hmm. uh, at the time because of how long it would take an exterminator come out, I had to deal with it myself. And that cured me of all spider fears. <laughs> See, I don't even know if I would want to deal with that. Um, I mean, I just spray them all until they're dead. I mean, it, pretty much. I'll, I'll pick them up and take them out. But once something's like, like uh, venomous, like all bets are off, you know? Uh, if I can avoid it, I'll avoid it. But if I, you know, I'll just, you know, spiders out there we have banana spiders and stuff you just walk around them if i see yeah you know, a black widow or something out hiking i'll just walk around it you know i'll probably look at it take a picture of it or whatever and then keep going but uh i can't imagine trying to get rid of it in a station in a store Mm-mm. no 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 i mean it was like they were you always wonder if you did you get all of them yeah. right and it was a clothing store so you can't just have people trying on clothes that are infested with black widows <laughs> oh man yeah no I'm pretty sure you were working there at the same time, Trey. <laughs> you just to tell him about it. 
Well, Trey and I used to work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was when Riley was working there. So if you were working at the same time as Riley, it probably was then. See, okay, these are one of this is one of the things that you I think maybe failed to mention to me during my tenure at said location. <laughs> That's how Trey and I met. We met because we both worked for the same clothing store company. Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. it a hot topic? <laughs> yes, it was definitely a hot topic. Okay, because I was saying because I used to work at a hot topic. That would have been no. way more fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What inspires you? Um, well, I kind of just like, you know, I, I take a lot of hints from either like movies or games or stuff I like to play or history. And then I find something interesting and I want to try to learn how to do it. So, um, and then I'll usually... So I'll hear about something, I think, oh, that's really cool. And then I'll like dive in and do a bunch of research and spend hours and hours just like learning about something. And then I'll either get interested enough to like take that leap and then try it and like, and then be excited about that process of like learning about something and learning something new and challenging myself. Um, and then I'll come out with something that I'll typically move on to something else unless I, you know, have a reason to keep doing it. Like the stream is allows me to kind of stay on top of this hobby instead of doing it once a month or whatever. Um, so I, I, a lot of times I go back to like, you know, D&D is very, you know, blacksmithing and, you know, um, mead and uh, brewing alcohol and all that kind of stuff, you know, and watching Lord of the Rings and movies and stuff, you know, and, you know, so it's, it's a lot of it's kind of like, um, I'm also, you know, fascinated with like samurais and ninjas and stuff. And so I would love to eventually make a, um, I don't even know what they're called, but the masks and stuff that they, that the old oh, yeah. Japanese samurai would have, you know, so I want to get, learn how to do that at some point. Um, I like 3D printing, so eventually I'll get back into 3D printing again. So it's just kind of like, I'll get into, I'll have an idea of something I want to do, and then I'll work on uh, kind of just trying to get that in my life somehow. Um, trying to think with the last book I've been reading recently, it's been about welding and stuff but um mostly it's, it's brewing so i really want to get back into making uh, alcohol again it's been something i haven't done for a little while so i'm probably going to buy some kind of new piece of equipment and then i'm going to uh, learn how to use it on stream and we're going to brew alcohol probably beer or something uh on stream just get it approved by your wife first <laughs> well <laughs> that's always a thing um <laughs> The purchase or the well, brewing part? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, I mean, brewing and stuff. She, she, so my wife was very supportive of my hobbies, and she awesome. is. Um, um, but she, getting a new hobby is always a challenge because um, she, she feels I have a lot of them. So it's kind of more like a, I'm trying to regulate it to stream kind of stuff. So my stream has become my time to explore hobbies. It's my hobby time really is what it's become. Uh, unintentionally and so you know when I want to learn about something new then I just try to you know spend a lot of that on the stream you know so sure um, because I can always watch videos and you know read something if we're on the couch or if I'm getting ready for bed or whatever I can watch videos but then the actual doing time will be for a stream Um, yeah 
but I, I think anybody, I mean, um, that's the kind of one I wanted to ask you guys. Are there are there any hobbies or crafts or, or things that you guys have wanted to to kind of dive into that you haven't got around to yet? This is my life. <laughs> I, I, I live a life where I want to do all the things. I want to do all of it. So, I mean, not literally all of it, but like beekeeping was one. I had another one and now it's gone. I guess I'd want to learn to sing. <laughs> I would also love to learn how to sing. And I fortunately, I cannot do it very well. How do you do that on a Twitch stream? I'm sorry. So that's a good question. So there is a game that you can play that um, it's like a just sing song or or just sing or something. And you sing and you have to match the pitches. Okay. And um, you pick the songs and stuff. And so I'm sure there's some kind of weird DMCA thing you might have to worry about for that um, because they don't like when you play popular music. But I mean, that's one way you could try to do it. Um, but but the the musical thing uh, is one thing where you probably want to be at least somewhat proficient before you dive yeah. in headfirst into streaming because audio is important and I want to learn how to play guitar but I was kind of like I kind of need to learn at least a little bit of how to play guitar before I try to like I was going to do rock like there's a rock band kind of thing but it's it's some other kind of brand but you actually play a guitar you hook your guitar into your computer and you, mm-hmm. it tells you the notes to play, and you play the notes along. And so it's a game that you play, but you can learn. So I was thinking of doing that sure. as a stream eventually if I want to learn how to play guitar. So I think there are tools to uh, to turn that into a stream. I think you can really turn anything into a stream if you think on it enough. Um, Josh said falconry and blacksmithing. And your mom said, do you have a lot of fun stuff going on? Which is actually something I meant to ask you, too, is where your creativity is taking you now. But I didn't want to interrupt uh, your question. I just saw I didn't want to miss that. Um, yeah, well, it's, uh, I mean, right now, we're kind of in an interesting place. We went from from me having a lot of, I'm going to say free time, but a lot of time on my hands to having almost no time on my hands. And I didn't stream for a few weeks because I just started the new job. I was trying to figure out my schedule. But now we're streaming one night a week on Saturdays. And it's after me working, you know, 40, I work right now, I work 43 hours a week. And then I go to school for about 15 to 20 hours a week, I think. Maybe less than that, maybe around 15 hours. So um, I'm pretty tired. Yeah, and it's been affecting me a little bit on my Saturday night streams. I'm kind of just tired, but um, I don't have a lot of time right now to invest into besides one night a week. So right now I'm kind of doing the blacksmith thing, um, but I'm looking at eventually starting a new career path uh, that's related to welding. It's called the millwright, and that is an industrial mechanic. Um, and it's part of a union and you travel a lot. So I'm going to be having these, uh, evenings where I'm in a hotel room and, um, I'm going to be away from home and I'm not going to have anything to do. And typically a lot of these guys just drink, um, which is fun, but it's not something I don't want to come home and drink in a hotel room all the time, you know, and then go to work the next day. I don't think that's very productive. So I'm going to try to figure out how to find something that I can do, uh, on the road and still stream with everybody and still keep the community going and, and keep keep in touch with my friends. 
but maybe we'll do like miniature painting or something oh, cool. or um slow rpg games that i can play and then have some kind of chat interaction or maybe we'll play some video games you know um zippers uh, really and dresses sure what, what's that i said zippers, zippers. and dresses <laughs> uh, i mean i i thought about learning how to knit i think that might be kind of cool um this is thing another thing to learn um so just trying to think of something new that i can do um on the road uh but right now it's it's uh probably brewing is kind of something i want to look at for the house stuff you know yeah um but the last person you had on your podcast said like this is a journey right uh, mm -hmm. that we're on as far as being creative and i'm not sure what my next kind of step is going to be um but i'm i'm always learning new things and looking forward to seeing what the next one's going to be you know so awesome Real quick, too. I want to hear Trey's answer to that question you asked was, what is something you want to learn? I'm sorry. I felt like I skipped you, and I didn't mean to do that. Oh, no. Um, something I would maybe kind of like to get into is to learn how to hand bead things. I'm not great at, like, hand sewing much. Um, when I do, it's hot garbage. It's not just garbage. <laughs> it's hot garbage. <laughs> Um, it's fancy so garbage. It's fancy. Uh, but honestly, whenever I'm like hand sewing stuff, I'm not very dexterous with it. So I would like to get better with that. Um, because you may not be able to see it, but there is a costume back here that I would actually like to hand bead with some different stuff on it. Uh, just to kind of like make it better and that sort of thing. Um, and... Probably, you know what? I would actually like to learn to code. Ah. Um, I what kind of coding. Admit, I don't know. That's the thing is, I would like to, but then I realize that there are hundreds of options. So I do not know just yet. But coding, coding hmm? to like build websites or coding to to make things move or work or I don't I know. You, I, I don't know what options. So you need to look into something that's called Arduino mm -hmm. or Raspberry Pi. Oh, yeah. Um, and those are two little hobby computers that you can hook all sorts of sensors and screens and um, widgets to. And so mm -hmm. if you want to make something that anytime you have a follower, uh, it comes up on a screen behind you and puts their name across it. Um, Ooh, okay. You could get a little computer and set up the screen and find the code on the internet or write the code yourself. There is a huge, huge, huge educational community designed from anywhere from children up to people our age on how to learn code using these little computers called Arduino, Arduino and the Raspberry Pi. Mm -hmm. um, and there's the, the, the amount of things you can do with this is absolutely endless. Um, and uh, it's just a fun way to, to dip your toes into coding. You could get to where you can kind of cut and paste things of code from this and that or whatever, or you can learn how to write something from scratch or there's tutorials online for thousands of projects. And it's, I always like that because it's a fun way to kind of get into coding, but have a, an actual object you're working on and have a real result instead of spending four hours writing a piece of code 
to have like a website show an image that you don't have a website and why do you, you want to show an image you know um, mm-hmm. so it's just like a way of physically making things that have a an absolute you know a real effect immediately into the world which is pretty cool i think Oh, it is. Um, thank you. I have never heard of either of those, uh, but Emily seems to. So, um, Seth, uh, I think we're putting this on the list of things to look into. Um, Seth, my um, my boyfriend, is likes to build computers. Um, and so that would probably be something up both of our alleys that we would get into. Um, but, uh, so yeah. Just um, hand sewing and coding. A weird dichotomy of things, but there we are. He, he said this list is growing faster than we can investigate. <laughs> you know, there, are, there are people that, that stream coding on Twitch. Uh, there are coders that stream on Twitch. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe you just need to start doing like some Twitch streams of like coding and hand beating. There you stuff. go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Seth, you can cross, you can cross porcelain dolls off the list. <laughs> um, we've talked about many things, and when we grow, uh, go across the pond, that'll be one place that we avoid: is any place with porcelain dolls. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's easier to find porcelain dolls there than here. But I don't want to think about that right now, so we're gonna move on. Okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> What is the John. what is the costume that you have in the back? You you mentioned the costume, and I don't, I can't. It was like a Batman costume from here. Oh, and I'm trying to think of how you would beat up a Batman His costume. His background is blurred. Yeah, hold on, let me unblur it. So Trey has some kind of it's. It looks like it's black with like a gold waistband on it. Yeah, and it has gold cuffs. Um, is it like a robe? It looks like a robe or a cape over it. Hmm? So it is a robe um, with an under, like an inner robe beneath it, uh, with a sash running attached, uh, running around it. Um, and then I've made some harem pants to go with it. The uh, harem pants are unfortunately stuffed up in a closet, um, but they are true harem pants. They are like 15 times the size of my actual hip. Um, but everything kind of goes underneath. Um, so what I like to do is I like to I like Pokemon quite a bit, and I like to find real world inspirations um, and apply a color scheme of a Pokemon to that. So this one is heavily inspired by um, by Middle Eastern wear of like fifteen sixty to about sixteen twenty ish. Just the the general design of it. Um, I don't want to ever be accused of appropriating, uh, just really inspired by that. Um, and this specific color scheme, yes, does look very much like Batman, uh, but it's actually based on Umbreon. Uh, Umbreon, okay. Umbreon is a Pokemon character, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Cool. So, uh, but this is all hand-stitched. That's Umbreon. Oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah. So all hand stitched, um, and then I'm working on the uh, the remainder of it. But yeah. So. Ta-da! So, that, 
is that going to be something that you wear to Ren Fairs? I, I heard you talking about wanting to go to one. Is that going to be like a Ren Fair costume or is that uh, just something? You, where, where, what is your attention for the use of this piece that you're working on? Uh, to go to uh, Comic Cons. Um, there, uh, there's a one close to me called Dragon Con. Um, it's about six hours away, but eventually I would like to go to um, different anime conventions and wear this around and just show off the what I made with my own two hands. Cool. Is Dragon Con, is that in San Diego? Um, there's one in San Diego. Uh, Dragon Con is in Atlanta. Comic Con is... Uh... In yes. California. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, cool. Oh, he's talking about bows. There's bow talk in the chat. Because the question was, what kind of bow would you make? And I said, Ar archery versus ribbon. Like making a bow for your hair is different than making a bow to put an arrow <laughs> in. And they are chatting about that. Modern meaning. A modern... Longbow, a composite of modern materials and natural woods versus many historical longbows that were made from a single piece of wood. Sorry. I have a friend who wants to make a crossbow eventually. Oh. Cool. Um, and I've always wanted to make a uh, a black powder rifle because you can, it's blacksmithing, you know, old form of blacksmithing. Uh, it's making the barrel and stuff. And so I always thought that would be cool as well. Yeah. But crossbows are pretty neat. Make an old naval crossbow. That would be awesome. I would use that in a photo shoot. <laughs> the photo yeah, shoots I, I of... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Cosplays. Yeah, I was no, I was a lot of the I was looking at some of your your photography stuff, which is super cool, really good stuff and it was Thank you. like a lot of people with in cosplay in their costumes and stuff and these really epic scenes and so, like I saw one picture of a girl like with this long yellow dress or something it was a super cool picture on a horse yeah yeah on a horse yeah that was epic. yeah yep such a great picture yeah i go for the go big or go home what's your instagram handle for those uh for it's emily kramer art kramer's with a k it's also if you're watching it's on the screen oh, right there right right there, right there. yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yep cool most of it's on there I was planning on doing a stream of the next like big photo shoot I do. Uh, I thought that might be a cool way, a cool thing to stream behind the scenes. Yeah. So how are you? Are you planning on like what's your mobile streaming platform you're going to use for that? I don't know. Um, it depends on where I'm at because probably just my phone. Um, and then like I could, you can download OBS and just, or I can just stream right to Twitch, right? <laughs> yeah, you you can do some stuff with home. Yeah, um, just the biggest thing if you're going to do that, just make sure you have good reception where you're going to be. Yeah. Um, but it would it, just a quick security, something like that it would work. People do that for sure. I don't really. I assumed my phone because I don't. My I, my thought was connection because I can use like four or five G if I don't have Wi Fi out wherever I am. Mm hmm. I don't know. I hadn't yeah, thought give it past a shot that. And see how it goes. It's, yeah. Um, so I, I did. A, I did some mobile streaming for a little while, and I invested a little bit of money into it because it was going to be. A, it was a big part of the stream for a while. So I have a encoder and stuff, and it, it takes um, a few different 
uh, modems. So I have like an AT and one and a Verizon one, and then it like kind of combines those. So I always get like around 500k or 3,000k bitrate. Okay. It takes the streams and like splits them apart and then reassembles them. Um, so if if you're worried about like latency and stuff and like your stream kind of going up and down, um, it kind of helps fix that. But um, a lot of people also just use like a cell phone and a selfie stick or something. And it's, and in the, in the spirit of just doing it, I think it'd be great just to try it and, yeah. and just see if it works. Are you going to have like your, would your boyfriend be there to help you like manage the stream stuff or would you be doing it by yourself? You I'd have to have, I always have to have like a team because yeah. not always, I take that back. Cause like I can go out and just do a quick little shoot, but usually there's a team of people just to help. Cause like, there's always like a, a cape to hold or a, I've, you know, bags of gear and, I figured I would just set the phone because uh, I have a tripod cell phone bracket yeah. holder thing. So I figured I'd just set it up and kind of let it roll and then just address the audience as I can and have somebody kind of keep mm -hmm. an eye on it. Um, yeah, I look at, at a microphone. You'll want to get like a, uh, oh. some kind of like road mic or something like that. Like they have like a little podcast mic thing. Which is, I don't know if you guys ever end up taking this podcast on the road and want to do some like live interviews or something. It's nice because you just clip it to a shirt and then you get audio that way and it's pretty good. Um, but that that is something that you can hook into your phone if you have it. It has an audio jack on it. I know like the new iPhones don't. I'm sure there's a dongle for that. Um, but that way you can have audio on because that's one thing that's difficult with the yeah. the the streams is the audio because. You know, you're going to be over here messing with someone's dress or whatever, taking pictures, and the phone's going to be, you know, 30 feet back or whatever. So, so like Bluetooth, or are we talking like uh, corded? I think it's corded, but I mean, if, if it's um, so the so the it's corded that hooks into your phone, but then it's all wireless. Um, and it has a range of like, I'm not really sure, but at least you know. 50, 100 feet, something like that. The little, I, I, it's like a little road um, wireless mic. They're a little bit expensive, but um, they're really good quality, which is okay. nice. Um, I'm so taking it, notes. It's a good, it's a good opportunity for for audio solution for that. Okay. Um, cool. And then, do you have? Well, yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's definitely the easiest way to go. I think. Um, do you have an iPhone or do you have a, an Android phone? An Android. I've got a Samsung. Yeah, so you still have a little audio jack, so I'm sure you can get some way to plug that into your phone and get the audio. I don't actually. I do on my old Samsung, which was still oh, take Samsung decent video. Yeah, on the new ones. So I, ha oh, I still have my old one, though, and it works fine, and that it's has the audio the jack. Stupidest thing, man. It drives me crazy that like, I have an iPhone, and my dad got it for me because I wanted to have a a certain app on it that I couldn't get on Android. Uh -huh. And I got the iPhone and it doesn't have like a a headphone jack on it. Like it's just the that's ridiculous. People in their technology. You know. I did find adapters though for the charging port that I can still plug wow. and I use that now all the time for because I have tons of earbuds, like the earbuds I'm using now, I'll switch it to my phone and then I can use it when I'm mowing and stuff. Oh, good. Okay. So there is a solution there. There is a solution. Yeah. And I'm assuming it works for Apple as well. Cool. That actually inspires me to, to make that happen. I just have to, uh, I guess, Josh, we're going to have to do a photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just going to fly myself up to Minnesota. Okay.
Just get the get the guai hair, eagles. Yes. No, I'm going to turn myself into a, a, a falcon. I specifically want falcon, falcon. wings. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, do I ever take anything seriously? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, um, Porcelain dolls. John, oh, God, no. Well, oh. you take them seriously, see? Mm. I'm sorry. We just derailed the whole thing. <laughs> you should have never told us, man. And is... see, uh, <laughs> okay, and see, we... I was encouraged to to be sharing because what yeah. sharing is caring. Can we all hang out like this more often? This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, John, uh, honestly, this was this was an absolute delight. I have, I think we've all learned quite a bit, uh, not only about blacksmithing, but yeah. also about beekeeping and um, and mead making and so many different things. Um, you are such an incredible person and such a versatile person with all of the interests that you have, and it's very clear that you dedicate um, dedicate yourself to understanding that. And not just as a hobby, but really from an appreciation standpoint. Um, so to that, I have to say that you are a marvel. And thank you for all that you do. Oh, that's very, very kind of you, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and this has been a lot of fun being here with you guys and, and chatting about stuff. And um, one of the goals of my, my stream, one of the reasons why I started it was that I think that a lot of us have hobbies that we want to try to learn and and try to you know we all have things we want to do but i think a lot of us put up these barriers and stuff and so part of streaming was always for me just to try to encourage people to take up some kind of hobby and that's why i picked twitch because a lot of us are video i love video games i play a lot of video games when i can um but i t i tend to get sucked in a little bit and i thought twitch was a great platform because i think there's a lot of people that play video games but they also maybe want to do some crafty things they just never quite took the leap and so yeah. i'm always hoping to try to encourage people to pick up a, a new craft and share it in the discord or come to chat and talk about it and we always look at people's instagrams and stuff and so um i was really excited when emily reached out and said hey we you have this podcast and stuff and, and it's all about crafting and you know hurting people to be creative and that's exactly what i like to do so um i really appreciate you guys inviting me here and thank you so much yeah thank you hang out with you guys yeah um john for we have it up in the chat here but for uh for our listening audience at home uh what are some ways that our listeners or now your listeners uh can interact with you um so the Twitch is kind of like the main thing. I'm always um, with work. It's been kind of a little bit bumpy for me right now because of my new job. But uh, if you go to my Twitch page, which is twitch.tv slash Burroughs Forge, that's B-U-R-R-O-W-S-F-O-R-G-E. Um, it has my Instagram and my Discord link there. Instagram's easy. It's just at Burroughs Forge. Um, and then Sport is another place that um, you can find the link there on my Twitch. But uh, I always just encourage people to come in and hang out and chat. And, and I always love checking out people's stuff. Um, so if you have, you know, cool drawings or other arts and craftsy stuff or anything like that, you know, come in and, and share it. And we can uh, take a look at it. And we always love that. Um, 
and uh, but you can find me there. I usually stream right now. It looks like it's Saturday nights around like 7 p.m. ish, depending on what time I get home from work on Saturdays. And um, I'm always looking forward to meeting new friends and, and learning new stuff. So hooray! Hmm. And go well, join the Discord. Go join the Discord. Creator Forge is that what it's called? Creative Creative Forge. Creative yeah. Forge. Thanks again, John, for being on. We appreciate it. Yeah, and thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate so it. good to chat with you. Fun. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.